<laughs> I already can't read because of the two glasses of wine. <laughs> like, <Fair>. Yeah. <laughs> awesome <laughs> the two very different lives of mel and chloe i love it yeah i'm like i can't read because i can't see because my glasses are the wrong prescription i'm like i'm drunk like, i can't i can't see because i've had two glasses of wine oh my gosh. just a regular old saturday <laughs> really night is. yeah interrupted Welcome to Film Interrupted, a podcast for amateur film lovers by amateur film lovers. I'm Chloe. And I'm Mel. And this week, for our second episode, we will be continuing our number one picks. So uh, if you caught last week's episode, it was if you were stranded on an island and you were forced to watch one movie for the rest of your life, uh, what would it be? And my pick last week was The Princess Bride. And this week we are discussing Mel's pick, which is Midnight in Paris. So cute. Very cute. Very cute for a Woody Allen film, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say this one was a treat because I actually have never seen this movie. So it's always fun. It's fun to do movies that we've seen already. Mm-hmm. It's extra fun to do movies that one or neither of us have seen so we'll get into those eventually but this was really fun for me to see something that I haven't seen before but I actually forgot about it when it came out and actually really it wasn't like I wanted to watch it but it wasn't something that I was like dying to see so I kind of forgot about it so whenever Mm -hmm. you were um you're like midnight in Paris. I was like, I was like, I could not place it. <laughs> so I was like, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll just get it and watch it and see what yeah. it is. And I was very pleasantly surprised. And I actually too did not read the synopsis beforehand. So oh. I went into it not knowing anything about it. I just dove right in. I was like, this oh, is more fun. That is the funnest thing about yeah. watching movies. I don't even watch trailers anymore for oh, anything. It, it, it ruins it because they, they. they mm-hmm. The trailers will they'll literally give away the entire film or at least the ending no just, i don't yeah, yeah I, I don't want to know anything about it um so ideally if i can come into it just completely blank slate i did that recently i watched um get out for the first time mm. and not i didn't see a trailer i think i saw one still of the film yeah and i know it's a jordan peele film and so yeah. i gave it a go and changed my life <laughs> Honestly, I almost switched out Midnight in Paris with Get Out, but Get Out is so like, ooh, it makes your like blood curdle. It's just so, yeah, it's rough. I don't know. But anyway. Well, I think this was a good pick and I was happy about it because it, I I very, very thoroughly enjoyed it. And I kept watching it and I was like, oh, this person's in the movie. Oh, this person's in the movie. (laughs) I know. I do love that. And I love that about like Woody Allen and he's very, um, like he... I don't really think he does a lot of casting calls. I think he pretty much yeah. offers his roles in these yeah. films to people. And that's awesome. like that's, yeah. I know. And, and not like a full, I'm not going to give away the character or anything, but like I literally wrote down in one of my notes, uh, like in all caps, like Adrian Brody's in this movie. Oh, who isn't yes. in this movie? <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's a treat. It really is. And I think that's why it's one of my favorite films is that it's so lighthearted and witty 
it's yes. like insanely witty and I love it. And it, but it's also like a good amount of romance and, and comedy and fantasy that like you kind of get a little bit of everything. Yes. And it is something you can watch for the rest of your life stranded on an island with a DVD player. So yes, it's true. It's true. Well, it's funny because it had, it had a bit of a twist that I was not expecting. So Ooh. I was watching it. And whenever that little, little twist happens, like right, you know, middle beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, oh, it's this kind of movie. <laughs> I, <had no> idea. <laughs> I just thought it was like Absolute some cool little, twist. like, I don't know, contemporary type of film. I didn't think it was going to be like, had uh, to have that little bit of a fantasy type spin on it. Yeah. Very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll let you dive right in. Um, yeah, so like we said, this week is my number one pick, which I chose Midnight in Paris. And this was a very hard decision to make. Um, <laughs> if anybody watches any kind of film, they know that picking their number one movie is pretty hard. It's the hardest. It is impossible. So I'd say this is literally as close as I could get it. This movie gives me like butterflies because it's just so I love the way it was shot um I love Paris so I'm biased but um (laughs) also the story is just so so interesting and I'm pretty sure this is just like like if you had to describe me like my personality as a film it's probably this movie I just yeah it's a thing and we gotta just accept it so I think we all do (laughs) (laughs) cool so the uh synopsis for this film is while on a trip to paris with his fiance's family a nostalgic screenwriter finds himself mysteriously going back to the 1920s every day at midnight so that would have given away everything everything for me because i had no idea whenever he went back in time i was like what's going on and i'm like oh my god <laughs> he just <laughs> <You're> time traveled <laughs> yes so subtle it's not yeah. like this doctor who thing no. but we do love doctor who um yes. yeah there's no like flaming car wheels and whatnot <laughs> it's just so small that it's so um real it, yes. it kind of just makes you think like yeah this act this happens you just pop up on the street in Paris and you'll go back in time. Yes. So, and that's like such a Woody Allen thing to just make something so normal, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this film got 7 out of 10 on IMDb. It also got a 93% on the tomato meter, which is kind that's of insane. Good. Yeah. But I, Anything and I that's think, in the 90s, I feel like, is, is, is doing pretty well. Right. And I, I think a huge chunk of that goes towards the fact that this was a Woody Allen film. Yeah. Because he kind of only makes legendary films. And, <laughs> which is interesting that this is like so like lighthearted. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he also did Cafe Society, which is also a bit lighthearted and comical. But um, And then I got an 83% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So all in all, the people loved it. It's I a think. passing grade. It is. It really is. It's better than <laughs> my high school grade. It's definitely so. better than my senior year, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Sad. Okay. True. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's just get into the middle of it then. Yeah. Take it from the So top. I will just do a quick recap. Uh, my kind of like, I guess my kind of... Uh, play-by-play. Yes. My yeah. Mel's play-by-play of this film. So... The film opens to a montage of Parisian streets and the progression of summer from a sunny day to a rainy afternoon in Paris, which 
I think is everything because we are then instantly introduced to our characters, Gil, who is played by Owen Wilson, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Inez, played by Rachel McAdams, and we are introduced to them over this dialogue of just bickering over (laughs) um, Paris, and Gil saying, oh, Paris is so romantic in the rain, and oh, why wouldn't you just want to live here in the 20s? And she's like, what is so romantic about getting wet? All this stuff. And this says so much about their characters right from the start. Definitely. Who doesn't love the rain? Exactly. It's raining right now, and I would love to jump outside. (laughs) But coronavirus, so. (laughs) Also, Um, raining in California, that's like... Groundbreaking. Yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. It doesn't happen. So uh, through this... um, dialogue we come to realize like Gil is clearly the romantic and his fiance mm-hmm. Inez is low-key a bitch but <laughs> it's something about Rachel McAdams and her blonde hair she isn't that likable characters <laughs> which is so funny because okay so here's a fact um that I was reading about this that um mm-hmm. Woody Allen wanted Rachel McAdams to play the character of Inez solely because he didn't think she played enough bitchy characters so and funny. and everybody was like, mm, "Are you sure?" Like, because yeah. she did, she did Mean Girls, obviously. Yes. Um, uh, what's it called? The uh, hot chick. Hot chick. She yep. played Jessica. I mean, she was fine exactly, at the yeah. end, but she was. But the most part, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Family Stone, she was the bratty sister. So mm-hmm. it's like it's so interesting to me that he was like, yeah. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. She's got that deceiving, you. like sweet face. So she really does, and she has a really good tone throughout the film. There was a lot of things that she would say that I would pick up, especially watching it for I don't even know how many times I've watched right. this already, but rewatching it and hearing her tone, it's so like she's such a gaslighter. <laughs> oh my gosh! And like so oh manipulating, God, yeah. and it's just you. I don't know how she does it with her tone. It's very impressive, but it's also very terrifying. So Yeah, a little scary. Um, yeah, so mad respect for Rachel McAdams. <laughs> but she sucks in this movie. Her character yes. sucks. So um, Gil is a writer, and he spends most of his time talking about you know romance and the golden idea that the past is way more exciting than his present. And that's where he gets this whole like romantic outlook on life and that the 20s is way better than where he is right now we go into a very awkward lunch with (laughs) inez's parents who openly hate gil which is so bad it's almost yeah i wrote down even her parents are a bunch of karens like they're just all awful (laughs) terrible it literally i had war flashbacks her parents um are like um i think um peter weber's mom Oh, from duh. this past Stop. bachelor that's literally just like i yeah they don't agree oh on politics gosh. and that comes up on that in that meal I mean, but I wrote down, how, oh dear god at the politics that was so yeah, funny <laughs> how stone cold bitter and just a terrible human do you have to be to hate the man that you your daughter is engaged to like it especially just, one that's like so nice <laughs> and he's just it's like it's hard to hate a really nice person, I feel, yeah. like somebody that's genuinely nice, but it's just because he's such a free spirit and mm-hmm. they're like... Uh, they don't flow that way. They're very rich rich, and they're a little snobby. It's yeah. a little bit of a cliche, but yeah, they definitely yeah. fit that bill. Yeah, they were the very um, typical conservative, yeah. 
white, successful, rich, like old money people. And yeah. you get that a lot, even through Inez's character throughout the film. And it's really oh, frustrating. Yeah. She, was, she was the worst. I, I literally wrote down at the beginning of my notes, I'm in love with Rachel McAdams. I'm happy she's in this movie. And then towards the end of my notes, I was like, what is wrong with you, Rachel McAdams? I honestly <laughs> hate you right now. <laughs> I honestly hate you right now. Yeah. Well, if one good thing came from this is that she started dating Michael Sheen in the, <laughs> from this film, which we can get into later. But I'm just saying. Lovely. Power couple. All right. Anyway, so yeah, talking about Michael Sheen. Uh, during this lunch, we are introduced to Paul and Carol, which are Inez's friends, and Paul mm-hmm. is played by Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing is that Gil loves to define him, this character, as a pseudo-intellectual, yes. which is something I now use to define many people. It's, it's pretty accurate. And, and right from the start, as soon as he walked in and like she touched his arm, like, like as like a greeting or whatever i was like god damn it rachel mcadams how dare you cheat on owen wilson because i was oh. like i was like i could just i was like that body language she's having an affair or she had an affair with this dude just Same. just you just you know I, I thought of course this i was thinking that that's uh something that had happened but i had just assumed like how dare you he's a national treasure and he's then a national treasure yeah but then i wrote down he was in national treasure which he was not i got that confused i was gonna say with nine at the museum he was in nine at the museum so michael sheen no owen wilson oh yes 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 yes. that's yes, what i was yes, like yes. don't cheat on owen wilson but yeah i got my movies mixed up anyways okay wait now i cannot not picture owen wilson as um, Nicholas Cage's character in National Treasure. Can <laughs> National you imagine? Treasure. Oh my gosh. Actually, I think wow. that would have been a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> we need to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> I do have terrible Owen Wilson like, impersonation. No, it's perfect. With like, little- can you imagine the different movie that that would be? In- amazing. I, I'm here for it. I, I think I would love that. I think oh just because too. I love Owen Wilson in anything. Yeah. Like, I have classic. an Owen Wilson like movie that I actually, we went Jimmy and I went to go see and we had very low expectations for it and we left and we were like dang that movie was pretty good and so we like I actually went out and bought it on blu-ray because it was like the only movie I've seen Owen Wilson in where he was actually serious huh what movie um I will tell you at the end because I don't remember off the top (laughs) of my head but it's (laughs) I'm looking right at my book my blu-ray shelf Oh, okay. So, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you at the end. Okay. Keep the suspense up. <laughs> we'll That's... put it on a list for a future episode. It'll there be we great. go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Continue. All right. So, yes, Michael Sheen, the pseudo-intellectual. Um, he enters in, yes, like the sense that you got, there is some kind of spark between him and Inez that yeah, is it, only... And she did, she did say that she had a crush on him, so... Yes. And then we see throughout the film how annoyingly in love with him she is but Mm -hmm. downplays it a lot she's just very impressed because of his pseudo-intellectualism anyway my next note comes to the fact that Inez spends every scene being the world's worst fiance yeah and Paul's like uh he's he's just a dick he is there's no way there's no other way to put that yeah he's married yes and he comes in just like he just needs affirmation and attention from everybody i think and that's where that 
that's where that goes. A bit so. of a narcissist for sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. Which is terrifying. Those are, yes. those are not to be quarreled with. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah, so Gil is a screenwriter and is trying to write a book for the first time in his life. He's trying to write a novel and the one he's currently writing is about a character who works in a nostalgia shop which is described as someone who loves to live in the past, which I think is really cute how that draws a parallel to um, Gil Mm -hmm. during the trip. And then we later see that he ends up writing more and more um, his novel based on his life and his experiences. Yeah. um, Which comes to light later when we have a certain character reading his manuscript. Yeah, you write what you know. Exactly. And so we also see, again, Paul, an excellent douchebag, um, <laughs> argues with a French tour guide oh my God. about something that she is supposed to very much know. I think it was in a garden about Rodin, um, which also, fun fact, that tour guide is played by Carla Bruni, who is the wife of Nicolas Sarkozy, which was the president of France during the filming of this movie. Dang. So First Lady of France was in this, uh, yeah, in this video you, how, film. How dare you question her? Exactly. <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> she does. Oh, come my on, gosh. Paul. Come on, Paul. Yeah, come on, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Paul. <laughs> that just hit me. <laughs> oh, oh, our excellent. she's the man reference. Yes. Oh, it comes in it at was, least it was an episode. Yeah. <laughs> It was bound to happen. All right, so as the film progresses, um, we come to confirm a few facts. Gil, very sassy man. Inez, mm-hmm. a very sad and critical person. Paul, yeah. not only a pseudo-intellectual, but also a pseudo-sommelier. <laughs> <laughs> because we see during a scene of them wine tasting, he yes. just the girls crowded around him. What are you getting? What are you feeling? What's happening? Um, oh, I cringe every time I watch that. And he, something about like an oaky. He prefers an oaky finish. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Paul. Uh, so after a night of wine tasting, Paul, Carol, and Inez decide to go dancing. Um, and they decide to go without Gil because Gil's not down and wants yeah. to go home. Speaking so of great. Barb, I wrote down. Oh, in, no. I wrote down in Barb voice. Don't let her go. <laughs> <laughs> to Gil about his fiance going dancing, finger yeah. quoting right now. <laughs> Bring her home. Bring her. Don't let her go. But in this case, I'm glad Gil let her go. <laughs> yeah, for real. Inez, piece of work. Yeah, that's where the story picks up. Exactly. So without this happening, we wouldn't get to Gil getting lost. <laughs> exactly what Inez told him what would happen she said don't like don't walk home you'll get lost he does in fact get lost and, it's and like you're getting lost like in like the streets of paris at night yeah that's kind of like, scary beautiful but scary yeah i i wouldn't but i guess it's owen wilson it's a fantasy it's woody allen like it i still would never do it but you know i listen to too many true crime things to like not that's fair have that freak me out Oh, especially in Europe. I mean, I know taken, Jack the Ripper. You know? and, oh, <laughs> like, <I> taken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yours is yours is a little bit more, you know, <laughs> <laughs> theatrical. <laughs> no, I mean yours is a little bit more like 
like something that can actually happen oh <laughs> versus mine is like jack the ripper right, anyway continue <laughs> jack the ripper so yeah so gil ends up getting lost on his way back to the hotel and finds himself wandering the streets of paris um and after a clock chimes in the distance declaring midnight gil is offered a, a ride from absolute strangers who don't speak any english and he gets in the car once again again listen to some true crime podcast i have a few suggestions if you're curious you don't get in a car with a stranger especially one that was from the 1920s exactly psa don't do it (laughs) don't Don't do do it it. even if you go back to the 20s and meet your heroes it's not worth it (laughs) god all right so from there thankfully gil is safely taken to a party where he meets a bunch of celebrities from the 20s, including F. Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald, played by mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> so good. The precious angel. And I may have freaked out a little bit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and Allison Pill. And also, fun fact that I will insert um, Tom Hiddleston was sent the script by Woody Allen with a little letter. With like mm-hmm. three lines saying, here's a script. I think you would be perfect for the role of Scott. Let me know what you think, Woody. Like that's it. And wow. also interesting the way Woody Allen works is that he blacks out every line in his scripts except for the character that you were reading. Oh my so, gosh. That's so Tom, interesting. He, right? So like when Tom Hiddleston gets his script, he can only see the lines that he's involved with and like literally only his lines. And so he going into this film had no idea what this film was about other than the fact that it was taking place in the twenties and his name was Scott. And so when he showed up to set and saw Owen Wilson in normal clothing, he was like, what the heck? What is happening? And that's when they found out. Oh my God. That's so cool. So he had no idea. He had no idea what the, the entire and the what plot the film is about had no idea that oh would gosh. stress me out but he i guess read he, the synopsis <laughs> <laughs> he didn't watch the trailer yeah <laughs> no yeah that's um something that i'm super impressed with how yeah, so woody he, allen so he works only, in that he only blacks it out for like if, if he's like sending the script for before like not I, he, they get the do they get the full script after they're have been cast or? i don't think so that's crazy. I'm, that's, I'm that's, pretty sure because it, yeah, I read somewhere that literally Tom Hiddleston was on set in his outfit, in his mm-hmm. Scott Fitzgerald outfit, and Owen Wilson walks on and he's dressed normally, and he's like, "Oh, why aren't you in your period costume?" Like, yeah. had no idea. That's so. so that's so. I mean, I'm not an actor, and like, I don't pretend to be, but but it's that that I, f- I would think that would be like challenging because like you don't see what the other other lines are so you don't know how right. you're supposed to like react to it or feed off of that like mm-hmm. you know and you know what your line is but you might not know like the context of like who you're talking to is if you don't know what their response is right so i feel like that'd be difficult but i guess it would be i don't know maybe it would be easier i, I don't know if i think maybe it's a little bit just, of both yeah it's it's like you have the opportunity to fine-tune and you know dive deep into just this small bit of character which I think is what he's trying to evoke in these yeah. situations. But at the same time, I'm sure they do get more access to the lines if it has to do with them. But I think right. in this case, with Tom Hiddleston as 
Scott Fitzgerald, he was um, a supporting role. And so mm -hmm. it didn't have a lot of not he had value but he didn't have a lot more to give to gill and his character yeah. development aside from the fact that he's meeting his hero and so i think because of that um it wasn't really necessary for tom hiddleston to have the context of the rest of the film yeah that makes sense that's yeah. pretty that's, that's pretty wild i i love that i know i love it too that's so that's like such a ballsy thing to do though I don't know. I, I, I just like I just love it whenever film directors have their like their own their niche. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. It's, no, okay. for sure. I respect that for sure. Um but yes. So he's at this party, he meets the Fitzgeralds, he also mm -hmm. meets Ernest Hemingway. And yes. that's played by Corey Stoll, yes. which he's in um Ant Man. Yeah. Which took me a minute rewatching this. I was like, I know his voice. Yes. And well, he's a I bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is. Well, I was watching it and I was like, okay, first off, like Hemingway is a very sexy cynic in this film. Oh, my favorite. And then I was like. My favorite kind of cynic. Yeah, I love it. And, and you know what? Side note here. People hate mustaches. I actually oh, really enjoy a good don't mustache. Don't get me started on a mustache. <laughs> I'm a sucker. <laughs> People hate mustaches. Like I'll see like celebrities or or even just friends that will grow out like a must mustache for like Movember, and everybody I see all the comments and they're like shave the mustache or beard or beard or no mustache like you know yeah um, clean face blah 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 and I I love a really good mustache moment I think it looks good I don't know yeah I mean I think That's it depends me. on the person but for the most part mustaches yeah. are. Well, if they 10 can out grow of like a full, if they can grow decent facial hair, I feel like you can probably pull you can grow a good mustache. Yeah, you can grow a good mustache. But a lot of people think that there's no such thing as a good mustache. But I beg False. to differ. False. False. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> Fake <laughs> also, news. Yeah. Um. Him and Tom Hiddleston. Um. Tom Hiddleston using his American accent in this film. Uh, they need to like narrate audiobooks because they have very Isn't it good beautiful? voices. They're like crispy. They're really, it's like deep and I mean, crispy. I don't know. They, there's something about like a really good like. Well, they can do so many different genres, um, but it's mm. like they can also, especially like in like the romance genre, because like hearing that like that deep voice in your ear when you're listening to like a like a male lead in a romance romance novel. Mm -hmm. it, the ladies will go crazy for it. Yeah. Swoon. Yeah. Oh, I'm a good voice well, on a man. I know that Tom Hiddleston <laughs> has done some narration for audiobooks um, for certain <gasps> things, but um, not. I don't think he's done know. any in an American accent. And his accent in this movie was fantastic. It's very. I love it too because it's kind of. It's got like that twenties like old sport. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Wow. Why was that southern? Oh no. <laughs> but. <laughs> I got what you <laughs> I can't do it but yeah I know you you're picking up what I'm putting yeah, down definitely. but uh... it was good it was it was it, it was sounded eerily like his <laughs> <laughs> it was award-winning yeah. I know I know you should I do audio but that's why I'm doing yeah. a podcast anyway <laughs> yeah, all right so Corey Stoll <laughs> we have Corey Stoll who is beautiful mm -hmm. and we will see that Hemingway will play a big part in Gil's story as he is trying to develop his manuscript and Hemingway will later help him get that manuscript to Gertrude Stein, who is played by Kathy Bates. Beautiful. And Gertrude Stein is like, I don't know if a lot of people know who she is, but she's kind of a big 
affiliate, I would say, with those folk in Mm -hmm. the day. I think I read somewhere that the timing was off, the historical timing for Hemingway and for when this, the 20s in which Gil would appear didn't line up with Hemingway's actual timeline. So I guess when this was supposed to be happening, Hemingway was working as a foreign correspondent for the Toronto Star newspaper and hadn't even published a novel yet. So very interesting. Yeah, I was wondering that. I was when I was watching this, I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder if these timelines are actually like like perfectly aligned because there's a lot of big names that are coming up right now. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think it's mainly because like we want to know who is who and like if you don't know who they are, then you don't really yeah. care. But um, <laughs> the hard truth. Yes. Yeah. So there are things like that that don't line up. I know there are a few um, like songs that they play, like mm-hmm. 20s songs. And it's like, oh, this song didn't happen until like 1928 oh, or something. Yeah. That song, whenever he like so. walks into the party and like the that guy's like mm-hmm. on the piano singing. Cole Porter. Yeah. And yeah, he like walked in and he was like, the song was playing. And I was thinking it was just like meant to be music to kind of set the scene and then it showed the guy like singing it and i'm like oh (laughs) it like really surprised me because i was not expecting it to be like like a live singer i thought it was just like something that like the movie added in and then it would have it would like fade out you know once people started talking but Mm. no dude was actually singing so i guess yeah that was like the slow segue into this him kind of discovering that like where he is he's not he's not in kansas anymore yeah so from there he meets a bunch of people is kind of having the time of his life isn't really believing what just Mm -hmm. happened and somehow he's brought back to present day before he's able to do much anything else and unfortunately he chooses to confide in inez and she calls him crazy which is not surprising because she's she's not very fiance (laughs) she's not she's she's in her own world so but good for gil despite Mm -hmm. all of that he decides he wants to go Mm -hmm. back and this time he's trying to bring inez with him to convince her that he's not actually crazy after she like forces him to go antiquing yes exactly (laughs) the worst uh, only 18,000. Oh what a steal. <laughs> it was so gross. I don't even know what the purpose of it was. It's like not even a chair. It was like a chair desk. It, yeah, no, it was like, like it's like a giant. It looked like a res- like a form of restraint, like a like a like a torture chair, <laughs> like like with like chains that you like. It yeah, did. It looked yeah. like a something like that was, you know, meant to, you know, inflict pain yeah. on a person. Yeah, it's probably Absolute why she nonsense. liked it. Trying to lock him down in a marriage and then torture him even more. <laughs> As Golly. if emotional pain wasn't enough. Torture wasn't enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so after the dreaded antiquing, he takes her to the spot where he was picked up before. And because she is who she is, she gets bored and leaves before mm-hmm. midnight, before they realize that that is like the key to all of it. Um, so Gilds goes back to the 20s by himself and this time Hemingway picks him up and takes him to Gertrude Stein's and that's where he officially meets her and Picasso and the newfound love interest Adriana played by Marianne Cotillard uh, goddess and the best woman in the she's, world I love she's her. so beautiful I think she's probably one of the biggest reasons I watch this film because she's timeless she so the plot thickens as Gil navigates life yeah. in 21st century by day in 1920s Paris by night. Obviously, trouble follows 
um, and because Gil keeps disappearing every single night. And Inez's father is already sketched out by <laughs> Gil, being a liberal and all. <laughs> and uh, so he hires a private investigator to find out where he yep. goes. And the private investigator is actually played by one of my favorite comedic actors, Gad mm-hmm. Almaleh. Uh, he's a Moroccan, Jewish, French, Canadian. And he's pretty much described as the French Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> So literally every time I watch this, I forget because he has such a small part yeah. in it. And when I watch it, it just like I die oh laughing gosh, it, because he gets stuck in time. <laughs> they show him later in the film. <laughs> I was just I lost. Yes. It. And he's like, oh, I, I think I'm a bit lost. Like, I don't know where I'm going. And they're like, off with his head. <laughs> and he's like running down this giant hall. I Poor know. guy. He's like Poor a, de- a, a private detective what did he find they can't find him <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's oh he's missing, missing yeah. so so funny also too oh, i was cracking up another part that really made me laugh was whenever owen wilson's in bed like and he's like whispering and he's having this like, yeah, oh, to himself. this like manic moment and he's like whispering to himself <laughs> about like his newfound discovery and i just thought that was so funny it was a really good scene yes he's like you are Gil yes. Bender. You are not crazy. You just met your heroes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like absolutely something yeah, I would do. It, oh it my was, gosh. That, that was really, really funny. That little record stand that he went to with the cute little French girl. Um, uh, I wrote yep, on there, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's cute and awkward. I want to see more of her. And then um, at the art gallery, I was cracking up too. Leah Sado. Mm-hmm. I think she's insane. It's I love that she had like a tiny, tiny part in it. And yeah, she's cute. The little flea market girl. So, so hipster. So like, so yes, Paris. I, to just I be also like, love a good gap. Low-key wish I still had mine, but don't wish I had the overbite because that was, <laughs> that was dicey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I love a good gap it, and certain people can pull it off better than others. Works well for the yeah, French, I guess. Yeah, it does. They just have that like natural beauty that they really don't have to try. Maybe it's the accent. Maybe if I had an accent and had like a gap in my teeth, in my teeth <laughs> then that would work. But then it could also easily go very south, like literally yeah. south. Like, oh, well, hey, y'all, I'm just here with my, my teeth. Like, it's no. funny. I was rewatching, uh, like, okay, side tangent. I was, I've been rewatching America's Next Top Model, and I've watched oh, yes. pretty much all of them already, So, but it's been so long since I've seen them. So I was watching it, and I was watching, I don't remember what cycle it was, but it was one with Danielle, whenever she, uh, spoiler alert, won. And she's, <laughs> um, I think she's from Alabama or something, but she had, like, a pretty good gap, but she was so pretty, and she looked really good. And I remember I was actually raging because, like, midway through, through the season after they got their makeovers there was a girl named Joni she had a bit of a snaggle tooth and so she got her teeth fixed and got veneers and it looked really good but Tyra was also like Danielle you know you you gotta close that gap because it's not very commercial and Danielle told the dentist that she didn't want to close her gap because she loved her gap and so they just whitened her teeth and then she got bottom two that week and Tyra was like, you got to close that gap because if you, if you <gasps> don't want to close the gap, then, you know, nobody is going to hire you if you have for commercial, you know, products. Like, and I think it's CoverGirl is the uh, reward at the end. So they need somebody. So they Dang. went and so she was forced to, she, I mean, she chose it 
obviously, but in order to stay in the competition, she had to close her gap. That's awful. I know. And I'm sitting at home and I'm watching this and I'm raging and I'm like, if this was on live TV now, like people would be so mad. People would be pissed. (laughs) It'd be like justice for Danielle. But she she kept like a tiny, tiny little gap. So it was barely noticeable but i mean she still dropped it gorgeous but i was i just remember watching it and i was like no no stand your ground don't close your gap you're so pretty but i was very offended for her yeah i'm offended yeah (laughs) anyway nobody's allowed to tell someone else to fix their teeth i know i know and i i get it this was also back like i don't know like 15 or so years ago or maybe 10 years ago i don't even know how long times have changed a lot so like Mm -hmm. the beauty standards were very very like cookie cutter standards and Mm -hmm. the fact that she was um she was also black was another like Mm -hmm. big thing too because like that was uh, typically like this big supermodels were all like white women and so that was Mm -hmm. um yeah it was another like thing where it was like she didn't fit the typical beauty standard but that's why i loved her and she was really and then but that's more of like a 2020 type of view where it's like you don't fit the normal typical beauty standard which means that you're like even more beautiful you know which is so interesting to think about i've never thought of it being like a an old school thing because that yeah something like similar happened to me not quite but Mm -hmm. like it was after I got braces and I had an acting coach up in Santa Barbara and he literally told me he was like you will only get comedic roles because you have such goofy teeth oh my god and yeah and that's like stuck with me since and so I whenever I tell people about that I'm always like like just dead in my soul (laughs) (laughs) because I can't I mean I could change my teeth if I want to drop like ten thousand dollars just to fix an overbite that should have been fixed in the beginning but I've had so many people tell me like no like that is the worst thing I've ever heard and like and that's also like now like I was told this when I was like 15 or 16 and right that's literally everybody else's reaction so that's like it's so interesting (laughs) It's, it's, it's funny that it's taken us this long to like embrace like like quirks and and oddities or what we consider Mm -hmm. oddities because of what the standard is and Mm -hmm. but it's taken us this long to actually embrace it as you know something that is good and it's something to like you know to be proud of and you want to be unique you want to be different and we and we used to always say like People, I remember like parents used to joke like if you like broke your nose or something and they had to you know your nose was slightly crooked or whatever or you had big ears and they're like oh it gives you character and like that used to be kind of a joke but no it's it that's actually like true it does give you character that little mm-hmm. that little tiny quirk like that's some something that's slightly different about you is something that I feel like you know you should be you can turn it around and find a way to be proud of it you know you don't have to yeah. change the way you look to kind of fit this standard mold because that standard mm-hmm. mold is overdone and it's overused and it's boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, no, I agree. That's and that's, just the fact. that is, um, that is totally a perspective that people have nowadays though. Yeah. So that's why it's so interesting to me that this happened even to Danielle, like however many years ago. Yeah. And so I wonder what kind of impact, impact that had on her 
For moving sure. forward as a successful model, knowing yeah. like, oh, you were probably only successful because Tyra Banks told you to get your teeth fixed. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is that if she came out now and did it and did the cycle with her oh, gap kill the it. way that it was before, people would be like, that gap is going to make you millions because exactly, it looks, it's it, it's it's something that's <sighs> unique to you and your mm-hmm. brand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's taken us a long time. I mean, just this year, Victoria's Secret just started putting out ads where they had diverse body types yeah. because of the third love movement. And mm. uh, like that was a huge competition. Plus, the CEO of Victoria's Secret has kind of not been that awesome. And mm-hmm. so but I mean, I just I noticed that they kind of are doing this rebrand where they're trying to be more inclusive to like different yeah. body types and different skin types and different you know ages and stuff like yeah. that so that they're not this like very skinny very in yeah. shape it's about time it's yeah it's about time but it took this huge competition from third love to like right. and we're not sponsored by third love <laughs> i wish we was but we, we would love to be <laughs> um but it took them to put out these ads of like embracing women of all shapes sizes and ages and you know skin colors to get Victoria's Secret to be like oh this is what people want women right. want like to see ads of a like body normal looking people bodies that look <laughs> like theirs you know <laughs> that makes no sense this is not disgustingly mis proportioned bodies with like <laughs> massive boobs massive I mean, they're, butts they're tiny beautiful. waist they're beautiful they are bodies Ooh, but the it's, goal yeah their body, but like they're, they're, but that's the problem is that we see it as body goals and exactly. it's like this shouldn't be body goals body goals should be what is like healthy and makes healthy you and happy comfortable for you. and yeah, comfortable exactly you know but it's in this it, the key word is healthy you know mm-hmm. you can yeah. be toned and still be you know like I can be five three, and I'm five three, and I can be like a hundred and forty pounds. And if I'm not toned, then it's gonna feel heavy to me, you know. But if mm. I'm like a hundred and fifty pounds at five three, if I'm toned, then it won't. I won't. I won't see it that way, you know, because right. I'll. I'll. I'll be happy with it. Or I can be not toned the way I am, and <laughs> just nice and like flapping around every time I move and still be happy <laughs> with it but I hey I've had two kids so you know yeah you're you was a hot mom I'm just a gonna use mama. that as an excuse until the day I die of a heart oh attack my God. from all the clogged arteries from all no. the potatoes I eat so oh moving my. on <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm happy oh well all that to say yes women yes um just be yourself that was a that was a beautiful God segue. Bless, God bless the French woman and their gaps for taking us on this uh, yes, tangent. Yes, on this roller coaster. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you feel empowered, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, too. Gentlemen, too. It totally yeah. applies. Yeah, yeah, You don't absolutely. have to look like Stephen Amell to be, like, attractive dude. Yeah, exactly. You can have a exactly. body like Pete, Pete the Pilot and still be good. <laughs> he has a very average body. You don't have to be a Tyler C. He is. To be, uh, He's totally attractive. average, Joe embrace your qualities body positivity is what we endorse here yes okay sponsored by (laughs) (laughs) self-love we just a company we just started right we just started we are sponsored by ourselves sponsored by ourselves which is sadly the most accurate truth yeah that's yeah that's not a lie yeah yeah no one has to know chloe well i mean we don't have a lot of money but we're doing what we can 
(laughs) third love you know sponsor us (laughs) anyways continue all right back to midnight in paris um great tangent all that to say we're coming towards the end of the film so as the movie comes to a close we have gil who's realizing that falling in love with adriana Mm -hmm. is literally a fantasy um and he has this moment in the film where they're having a conversation and they've gone back even further in time to her golden age idea which is the uh i believe i believe they called it the bella book mm-hmm. it's uh i think it was in between the prussian war the end of the prussian war and the beginning of the first world war if i'm correct and so that is where that's like for her that's like her 20s yes to Gil like the the similar thing so she wants to get out of the 20s and live in that and Gil wants to get out of present day and live in the 20s mm-hmm. and so he kind of has this realization that like we will never really be satisfied in the time that we are in because it's going to be different to everybody else and so mm-hmm. unfortunately he walks away from that romance with her so she stays in that time and he's able to come back into present time and after a final review of his manuscript with Gertrude Stein, he realizes that uh, through his writing, Hemingway has come to the conclusion that his fiance is having an affair, Mm -hmm. which again, another wake up call for him. He comes back into present day and finally ends his relationship with Inez. Thank God. I know. Because that was just typical, like grade a gaslighter or absolutely turns yeah. it on him like he's like you're having an affair she's like what makes you think that you're crazy and then finally she admits to it and then she's like but then there's no she thinks that nothing's gonna come of it and he like very mm-hmm. nicely tries to break it off with her and then he she's throws a fit because like she's ruining his life and then her parents come and she's just like Wah. oh my gosh yeah lit up left me. and right poor yeah. gill yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Thank God, good riddance." Dude. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was a good, it was a good ending in that yeah. sense. I'm happy he can stop having he can stop having uh, panic attacks. <laughs> I know his little what was he like carrying around Valium? He was, yeah, he gave her one. And he gave him one, and he was like, "Since I've been engaged to Inez, I've been having little panic attacks. It's no problem. <laughs> it's no problem. Just some panic attack." Yeah. I was dying. So yeah, so we see the end of his relationship mm-hmm. and. Essentially, the movie ends with him deciding Paris is home for the romantic novelist, writer, artist that he is. Mm-hmm. And he has a conversation with Gabrielle, yes. who is the, um, empowered, the girl at the... Empowered Gap Girl. Yes, Empowered Gap Girl. Leah Sado, the she was the one that was working at the flea market mm-hmm. with all the Cole Porter records and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I like to think that he moves to Paris and falls in love with Leah Sido. And that is the dream. I so. know. It's beautiful. And then like it rains at the end of the movie and they walk home in yep. the rain, which I was like, because she beautiful. loves the rain. Wow. He met <sighs> yes. his match. Yes. Finally, someone Gil deserves. Yes. No. Deserves Gil. What? <laughs> How does that work? Yes. Yes. Each. Girls deserve deserves. each other. They're, they deserve they're, each other. Yes. Yeah. They're perfect. Match made mm-hmm. in paris so that was there we have it was it was and it's like i said lighthearted. there's a lot a lot more to it than what i just went into but for the most part some really incredible wit 
and good idea. Like that whole idea that like we need to be satisfied in where we're at Mm -hmm. and not as much living in like the past or the future. Yeah. Um, which is something I'm so guilty of. I do both to avoid the oh, present. Yeah. So it's so it's, it's such so an easy to get down that rabbit hole of just like things were so much better back at this time, you know, or mm-hmm. or the opposite, like you said, stressing about like, oh, what's going to happen in the future? Like it, it, it's a lot of or even like focusing on what to look forward in the future. It That's mm-hmm. fine to an extent. But if you if it's taking over your you know mental space if that's what you're obsessing over that's when it becomes a little bit you know it it, it, you know it's a little yeah it's too much it's a little unhealthy Mm -hmm. at that point so he he just was so stuck in the past and his like which was fine you know if he it that's a time that he like admired but um i'm happy that he it came around he came around to realizing that he should you know find peace find happiness to you know where he's at because I mean, although it, and it's interesting because if you think about, you know, Adriana, she, she didn't, you know, she, mm-hmm. she didn't, she decided to stay yep. because, because she didn't have the same realization that he did that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, that's something that you should be, you know what I mean? There's yeah. words. I just don't have them right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. Yeah. We get, we definitely get the two sides of the coin in that last scene with mm-hmm. him and Adriana. Um, just kind of going between like someone who is just so in their head about living where they find comfort Mm -hmm. and escaping and the Mm -hmm. other one that's like no escaping isn't healthy that's not the right way to go about things and and it's interesting because he was such a he's such a romantic that you think that he would Mm -hmm. you know continue with that mindset and the fact that he kind of got hit with a that bit of reality and it kind of sunk in was was pretty interesting whereas yeah but with adriana it was different with her because she wasn't just a romantic i feel like she was very much like a a dreamer right no for sure yeah yeah it was great i i was very very happy with this movie because like i said i had not seen it i knew nothing about it because i did not read the synopsis since it wasn't my week and i didn't watch the trailer so i just you know made the purchase watched it and uh was very pleasantly surprised yeah i loved it and it it was one of those movies too it had a little bit had a little bit of everything and it it didn't it didn't get too heavy which i really do enjoy when movies don't get you know you'll watch even comedies sometimes they'll have a point where it gets really heavy during Mm -hmm. you know a certain point of the movie before it picks back up and and concludes and this movie i feel like it 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 was pretty lighthearted the whole time it it didn't really get overly heavy where you get like very sad and overwhelmed with sadness you know and then you have to like get you know have a pick me up by the end of it so right right which it's a good it's a good island film like you don't you won't get depressed it won't like (laughs) make you like jump for joy but like yeah it's just pretty it's pretty like fluid and pretty mellow natural yeah, yeah i think yeah i loved it i'm a fan yay yeah <laughs> so great well um i have a few last pieces of trivia Woo-hoo. my favorite I figured part. i could just yeah whip this out um this is something that i thought was interesting there are suspicions that this screenplay was inspired by an incident that happened in 1901 where two women um, Charlotte Ann Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain, uh, they claim to have experienced a time slip into pre-revolutionary France on the grounds of Versailles. Whoa. 
1901. What the heck? Like, I would love to learn more about that. Maybe I'll Google more about that. Yes. (laughs) There is, um, yeah, that is like the floating suspicion that this was like loosely based off of like this idea that you can just walk into another era. What a concept. I know. Crazy. Also, apparently this screenplay was in works for a very long time. Um, I think Woody Allen wanted to whip this out in like 2006, mm-hmm. but the ideal cast wasn't ready then. So mm. so it's been a while since he like had started working on it, but I believe in the earliest stages of it, uh, Cary Grant wanted to play the role of Gil. Whoa. Which would have been like a completely different movie, I think. Yeah. And so like he was willing, like he was retired and willing to come out of retirement to play this part. That's so, crazy. I know. Yes, and then uh, another thing, Gil and Hemingway have uh, their conversation in this restaurant. Um, I believe it's the first, yeah, it was the first time that they meet. And Gil runs off to get his manuscript and he comes back and it's like a laundromat. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, actually, in real Paris, that restaurant still exists. Uh, Le Polydor, Mm -hmm. I think. And so the fact that it was like a different, like that, it's just so interesting to me that like they chose the different um, locations, and yeah. that 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 place actually is like real. I don't know. Cool. I feel like watching this, it's like makes me want to go to Paris and like again and like watch or watch, walk through all of the places that they shot because they did oh, shoot so all of fun. this in Paris. Yeah, and I, know. I believe Woody Allen actually stayed at the same hotel that like that was in the script that they were all staying at during the opening sequence whenever they're doing the shots um throughout paris and mm-hmm. i my first note was i desperately need to go to paris so oh, yeah that'd be that's i mean that'd be so awesome we should just go to paris and eat at that restaurant we should honestly yeah. we'll we'll plan for it it'll be like a five-year plan because we got to be realistic about it <laughs> <laughs> it's strictly professional we're doing it for the podcast we're doing it for the pro- research research yeah exactly and then we'll exactly. go to the cliffs of moher in and Sc- uh in ireland oh, yes. for mine it'll be full circle yes oh that would be fun to do just like a film tour oh my gosh like I'd probably lose big my spots. mind a little bit same but we should do it anyway. I mean, when I went to Salem, I was freaking out whenever we were like at the Hocus Pocus house. I was just, <laughs> I was like, I was thriving. I was like, this is so cool. And then we like walked in the backyard of where like Madison's oh. mansion is in Hocus mm-hmm. Pocus. And I remember just thinking like, this is so cool. And then I also thought about the fact that we're walking through the streets of Salem and like, <laughs> like Terrifying. actual history is like very tragic. And so yeah. I'm like, this is actually kind of dark now. But other than that, seeing the movie was super cool. So I'm really excited whenever I see like spots of that are actually like in films. I That's like probably one of my favorite things because then it kind of just brings it to life more. When yeah. you're able to like be there and touch it and experience it. Yeah. Do you ever freak out whenever you watch like Little Miss Sunshine and that whole scene right in like Ventura, downtown Ventura? I haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine. <gasps> you haven't seen that movie? <gasps> I haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah. They literally filmed uh, this a scene in Ventura. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Super cool. I was, I remember I, when I, every time I watch it, I, I'm like, oh, there's the Marriott. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I know that um, <laughs> there's a scene in bridesmaids that was filmed in Oxnard (laughs) really and every time yeah it's just like her driving down like a field and I like I drive past it anytime I go to see my brother yeah and so 
every time I do, I'm like, oh, that's where Kristen Wiig was like. <laughs> when being we were crazy. watching, when we were watching The Bachelor this past season, every time that they showed, like at the like, oh, the very the first thing at the airport, I was I would tell the girls, I'm like, that's Camarillo Airport, like that's like right next to where we where I was like yes. born and raised. Insane. It's so weird. It's so weird that that happens. But yeah. I guess that's like the territory of living in California and Southern California. Yeah, it happens. I mean, in Ventura County is just like there's so many good locations. I I'm surprised that more things aren't actually filmed aren't actually filmed there. You know. Yeah. Because I remember like Swordfish was filmed in downtown Ventura, mm-hmm. and then yep. or parts of it, and then uh, Easy A was in Ojai. Uh huh. Yeah. And then there's more I can't think of off the top of my head. But yeah. Yeah. Just some Woody Allen trivia. I think it's so interesting that he does not um, attend award shows. He chooses to avoid them because he thinks or he says that um, making films is not something that he feels needed to be rewarded for. And so he has more Academy Award nominations for writing than anyone else. And all of them are in the written directly for the screen category. Wow. So everything that he's written has been solely a screenplay that he's been nominated for at least. And I believe last time I checked was 16 awards. And yeah, so wow. he's not a member of the Academy, <laughs> which is That's insane for his level, like for his like... Notoriety? Like, yes. Yeah, that's insane. To, yeah, that's it's just so that's, he's his own person. That's honestly. pretty beautiful because it's it's like he's doing it for for the film, love of the storytelling. Yeah, of telling stories exactly. I have like massive respect it, from a directing and just general storytelling standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm obsessed with what a lot of what he stands for in film, but and I feel like that also too doesn't cloud like the quality of the you know the content that he's putting out because right. I feel like if you're doing it for money, you know, then mm-hmm. that's whenever you get things that you, you know I, sometimes that might cloud you know the actual outcome of yeah you know because then you get like producers involved and they're like no you mm-hmm. need to change this and so like your actual work like you're you put like a bunch of thought into this. And so this yeah. is your, this is like your art and somebody's basically, oh, to make more money, this is gonna, this is going to be like, this is going to be bigger and better. This needs to change in order to like make it more appealing, I guess, to, to the oh, audience, okay, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm. To make mm-hmm. it more marketable, like you need it to be right. this storyline, like this needs to happen. And it's mm-hmm. like, I know that there's some films where like, oh, there needs to be a, like a romance. And it's like, and the writer is like, there's not supposed to be a romance. It'll take away from like this person's, this character's journey. And mm. it's like, we need a romance scene. And it's like, right. Then, you got to do what sells. Yeah. And then you have to kind of compromise your, your work. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. love that he doesn't have to do that because he's doing it for himself. Well, he also has a shit ton of money. Yeah, that's and true. Like, so that helps. <laughs> it helps. If I had that much money, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I'm doing what I want. And it helps that he's also actually a really good storyteller. Well, yeah, and then too, but, uh, he's also such a big name that people are going to be like, you know, we're just going to let you do. We're just going to let you do. Right. Now, now he's at the point where yeah, like, for sure. he does what he wants. But okay, this is a fun fact that has nothing to do with any of this. It's just movies in general. And I'm going to end it on this. <laughs> I heard that... If you are ever watching a movie and you see a character that has an iPhone, they're not a villain because Apple has this 
I guess, an unspoken or maybe spoken agreement with the film industry that if a villain or a bad character, a bad person Mm -hmm. is holding an iPhone, that's like bad marketing for Apple. Oh my gosh. So they're not allowed to have an iPhone. So if you're ever watching a movie and you see someone that doesn't have an iPhone and other people have iPhones, there you go. He's a bad guy. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? That's so weird to me. And I was trying to spot that when I was watching Get Out. And (laughs) I think Microsoft had sponsored that. Or yeah, it helped sponsor that film. So everybody had a Microsoft phone. So you didn't know. And I was like, this is not helping me. That's crazy. That is a wild, a wild thing. So I mean, that's fact, like very yeah. interesting because you would think that like, I mean, I guess Apple doesn't really need to market their stuff there. They don't, but they don't want negative Yeah, marketing. that association. Yeah, 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 there you no, go. No, it makes association, sense. Association, that's the word. Makes yeah. sense, but it's it, it's still, that's crazy. That's that's pretty, in, very, very interesting to me. Yeah. What a cool fact. I know, I love that. Now I can't w- not watch movies without looking. I know, you've changed my films. entire perspective on Dude, f- watching yeah. movies. Same, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to go back and watch like movies that like, I know that there's a villain and like pay attention to their phone. (laughs) Oh, right. I know. Yeah. And, but like a lot of people have like that loophole that they'll just use like all Android or all Microsoft, like get out did. Right. Well, and and too, I feel like some people too, well, they won't necessarily use iPhones, but they'll have like a random like phone that looks similar to an iPhone, right? but it won't be an iPhone, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it'll just be a device that they like kind of make up because like sometimes they'll just like put the screen on like, you know, they'll, they'll put the screen, this whatever the screen of the phone is after. Um, yeah. So now I have a question. Okay. Now, if you had to pick a time to go back in. Oh, no. What would your what time would you pick? Ooh. Um, it's so hard because like especially – if you actually think about the logistics of going yeah. back to a different time, mm-hmm. it would be so hard. Well, there's so like, much that goes into it because it's like, it, especially being like, like a woman, you're like, you have yes. to think about like, what what role are you going to play if you go that far back? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, what are you going to be giving up? You know, aside from obviously technology and, and right. the advances no, that we've made. Well, but oh, So I guess that's, that's what I'm, so would it be like a, a, visit for like a day or like i would be there I don't know. for a I, get, while. I think it's just more so like if you had to pull a gill like if you had to if like had to pull a gill. you had to pull a gill like he went just he chose in and out. the 1920s which i feel like is such a such an interesting pick but like mm-hmm. if you had to pick a time like a time period a decade um, yeah i think i am very intrigued by the victorian era oh and going way I, back yeah Love if i that. could pop in and out and i would for sure be like england like yeah oh yeah jack the ripper <laughs> let's hang out full circle yeah no you, you just don't be a prostitute and you'll be fine or don't be a, sorry sex worker don't be a sex worker and you'll be just fine because that's mm, what jack good. the ripper jack the ripper did he he like murdered like a bunch of sex workers um i are you sure it was just sex workers I'm i thought it was sure. a, i don't know I could be wrong. I haven't. I haven't googled my serial killers in a while. It's more of like a. It's something that like I'm pretty sure like definitely happened, but I think it's more so oh, yeah. of like lore now because yeah. like they don't know who this guy was, and it's mm-hmm. been so sensationalized that 
It's like, meh, we don't really know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he really exist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. That's, that's super fascinating. And it's funny because it makes sense because of how much like BBC stuff that we watch. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> like all the Pride oh and Prejudice gosh. and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. Everything like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's my that's always been like my favorite time. I've really loved that. I loved like the culture of how people were back then. And I know that's kind of crazy because that's such a massive step back for women, but <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> but I think what, about what, it. You if mean, I'm <laughs> like the what? fact that women were property. <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah. you got to wear killer dresses and those I get corsets. to look dope. Yeah. yeah those... I wore a corset and those things don't they don't mess around no, and i love them though, actually yeah you get to wear a corset and like a like a petticoat and yeah all that good stuff. no i think it would be i think it would be really fun not fun i mean I've, yeah. i would learn a lot that is like an era that i'm really keen on if I've, i i've always wanted to have had like throw like a party like like set in that era where mm. everybody has to dress up you know oh in, that's like, hard though but how, yeah. how fun would that be? And then, like, oh, you have, like, a band play, like, an actual, like, band play, and you, like... Oh, like an orchestra or Yeah, something. and what if we, like, actually took the time to learn the dances that they, like, do? <gasps> yes. I would oh my do gosh. this. If I... Having, had... I'm having flashbacks to, like, Becoming Jane and Anne oh, Hathaway and James yes. McAvoy. Like, yes, please. Yeah, no, I was please. just watching... I was just watching um, uh, Pride and Prejudice because I watch it, yes. like, once or twice a month same <laughs> like i'll watch yes. the movie and then i'll watch the bbc thing and, and <laughs> i have yeah i have problems and i was also talking to uh my friend bridget and i was telling her how i'm dying to go watch emma um yes in theaters same. but with uh thanks to covid19 we uh are having a little bit probably not going to be able to go out to the movie theaters to go watch emma <laughs> so yeah. sadly we're gonna have to wait to watch it but I'm dying to watch it, but I, anytime I see that stuff, I'm always like, I need, like, if I had, like, a lot of money, I would for sure, like, have all my friends, like, let's learn this dance, and let's have a big party, and, like, do it up. Yes. You know? I mean, you know I'd do it. Oh, my gosh. That'd be so fun. Yeah. I think there were the only two people that would think that'd be so Would much actually fun. enjoy that, yeah. <laughs> We'd be the only two there. <laughs> That's fine. You and I can, we can learn the dance together. It'll be just fine. I am so committed to that. I don't think you understand. I think it'd be so much fun. And then we have to have those like little ringlets. And then I can put like, you know, just. But the thing is, is that I think my boobs are too big. So I wouldn't be able to wear the type of dress for that. Because then it would be a little bit, <laughs> a little bit too much. But you Fair. know what I mean? But it'll be fine. Yeah. It, but um, I love, <laughs> I love fun. it. Yes. We'll do uh, it. Yeah. Good time for me. Okay. Nice what, um, what period would you choose? Oh, what time? easy. You know me, the 90s. Oh my god. Really? You wouldn't even you wouldn't even try to go back no, like bro. farther. No. That's funny. The nineties. Like I You were like you lived through most or part of the nineties, I guess. Yeah, but I see I feel like I was gypped because like I did live through like pretty much the entire nineties, but I feel like I needed to be a teenager like in the nineties or like late teens in the nineties. Mm. that should have been Fair. me like I was able to enjoy it but I was at such a young age that I couldn't really like fully enjoy it and you, you and I talked about it like we both love music just as much as we love movies 
and the music in the 90s i know people like go on and on about the 90s nostalgia um and like the tv shows yeah the cartoons yeah even the movies but the music in the 90s fantastic and i listen <laughs> to so many different genres and i just think about like like how cool would it be to see like no doubt and like sublime and like all these super cool like ska bands too like in their prime that'd be so fun and then i can also wait until the late 90s and see like in sync and like <laughs> jessica simpson in their prime too because i listen to a whole lot of different genres but yeah and too the style in the 90s if I was a teenager in the 90s, I would be able to do so much that I wasn't able to do as a child in the 90s. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think this is so funny. I think this is probably the biggest difference between you and I <laughs> because you know how much I hate the 90s. And everybody, everybody that walks around me knows how much I hate the 90s. And yeah. it's probably my biggest downfall, I think. No, it's but, okay. I listen to so much 90s stuff still and it would just drive you insane. And it, But it would make me so happy that I wouldn't really think twice about it, to be honest. But it totally <laughs> makes sense for you to to love the night like i i should have seen that coming because i know you and yeah. i know that literally you live and breathe it and it's just <laughs> that's so interesting but that, yeah. yeah i didn't really have to put too much thought into mine mine would obviously yeah. be the 90s yours is the more exciting answer mine is the more like basic well, yours answer. yours is a livable answer mine <laughs> is like yeah you could pop in a bit but anything more than that you're yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna work i would not i would not be able to fully live coming from where i am now yeah and going there oh no gosh. way i could live no. if i was born and raised yeah that would be obviously you don't know any better but all right well i think that's about it i think that is well thank you all for listening to my opinion <laughs> and <laughs> our my, rants <laughs> yes our rants well we did do a lot of tangents tonight but that's okay for I'll, the best i'll try to cut some of them down but they're no it's good stuff good stuff good. yeah i think it was good it was very fluid so yeah so thanks for tuning in and tune in again next week to find out what movie chloe will be chatting about I know. Mm. So, so just a little bit of insight on how we decided to kind of navigate this series is uh, we talked about the first two episodes. We were going to do our number one movie if you had to watch them repeat for the rest of your life. So we got those done. And then the next one that we were doing is we each wrote a list of uh, up to 10 movies that are just like you know, all-time favorites or movies that you didn't finish or you watched so long ago that you don't remember anything <laughs> of it or movies that you just have never seen and you want to watch. So any of those things can be encompassed in that list of 10. And um, we're going to kind of just go back and forth, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, we did we did create, just to be a little bit more official and everything and whatnot we did make a patreon page so if you do uh visit our uh website there'll be a link to that and you can actually um if you become a patron you can actually make a movie request f with one of the tiers so then we'll have some we're always down for good ideas too because we might but oh, who sure. knows we might cover it it might already be on the list but um yeah 
And I, I found that, you know, we talked about how hard it was to pick the number one movie. I found that it was way, way more difficult to, you know, pick a top 10 because oh, for sure. once you once you were like, oh, let's pick 10 movies, this is incredibly hard because it's like you have to think of 10 good movies that you want to put down on that list. And mm-hmm. for me, I was like having to narrow it down. It was harder to narrow it down to 10 than just to pick the one. Yeah, no, so, I feel the same. I mean, just like having to narrow anything down is just it's too much. Yeah. And you're I mean, and you're listening to two of the most indecisive people that have ever (laughs) been created on this planet cool okay so then just look out for our we might put a little sneak peek a little bit of a teaser on our instagram page Mm -hmm. and so if you want to give that a follow it's at film interrupted and we'll post the uh we'll announce what the movie is on on the weekend so you can uh be follow along with us whenever we upload and drop the new episode next Monday. Yes, so you'll be able to watch the movie in time to listen to our next episode, so you don't have to worry about spoilers or not really knowing what's going on. So yeah, we'll keep you updated in the loop as long as you stay followed, and we will see you guys next week. Sounds good. We'll get better at this, like wrapping up thing eventually <laughs> we're just like yeah and, like, and bye. sure okay <laughs> okay no really the bye <laughs> peace <laughs>